um, Caroli. And Caroli. Yeah. Carol, so. Carol G or Carol Yi? Carol G. No, Carol G. Yes. Carol G. Yeah. So what, what is it Carol in Arabic? G. Yeah, I was just going to ask that. In Arabic, there is no, they call me Ferit. That's it. <laughs> That's my own my own name. Also herzlich willkommen Herr Caroli und Frau <laughs> Caroli und Frau Wittmann. Do you guys have an Arabic name that your friends has, have mm. given you? No, but there's I a wish. there's a guy in, in my neighborhood he calls me the uh, the gangster priest. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that? It's it's the best it's the best title I've ever gotten in my life. Yeah, like it's, it's I came by, cool. he's like, "Hey, yeah. man, gangster priest." I'm like, "That's <laughs> awesome." I, I can't compete with that. When I played basketball, they used to call me El Tigre. Okay, this is getting better. That was fifty pounds ago, but nonetheless. <laughs> nonetheless <laughs> That's El Tigre. Welcome to This is Calvary, a place where we hope to offer encouragement and camaraderie and practical steps for spiritual engagement among this fellowship desert. Today, I'm here with Manfred. Hello. Hey, good morning. Very excited to be here with you again. <laughs> yes, you're four episodes in a row. Are you tired of talking? No, 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 no. Well, today is just, you know, it's going to be different. And I'm very excited, you know, the guests that we have, great people. I have the privilege uh, to know uh, them. Uh, two of them are actually missionaries of the church. And I have the privilege to um, also meet Jason uh, last year when he was visiting uh, uh, Chicago. So, uh Great dude, and I'm pretty excited for, uh, you know, what uh, we're going to be discussing this morning. Wonderful. All right, so um, we are in the middle of a series um, about Missions Minded Month, and we heard from you about your life and your stories and um, <laughs> the plans for Missions Month and why you chose Micah 6-8, um, and just the theme of humility, especially this year, um, mm. and how we can kind of walk one day at a time with in step with our creator and um, just focused on whatever he's given us kind of day by day. Mm. Um, and I've been just really blessed by what you've had to say and how you've lived that out in your life. Um, and even just kind of like watching you live it out mm. moment to moment <laughs> um, <laughs> here. And so, uh, yeah, today we're going to kind of pivot. And instead of interviewing you, um, you're going to be the interviewer, not yes. the interviewee. Um, so, do you want to introduce our guests? They're listening to us right now. Yes. Uh, so, um, we have um, um, Rage Bonham, and uh, he's been a long uh, time Calvary missionary with the church, and um, and uh, his wife uh, Carol too, and his family. They moved to Germany years ago, and then also Joe and Ali Limonager, who we sent almost a year ago to Frankfurt, Germany too, and Jason who is a uh, local pastor uh, in Frankfurt too. And I'm just actually going to give them time for them to introduce themselves um, in a few seconds. So we're very excited for this opportunity. And <clears throat> I think one of the things, you know, when we think about and celebrate Missions Month, uh, being a mission-minded church, it's um, we need to uh, think about our missionaries. And the way that we see missionaries here at Calvary is, is that... Um, they are. They provide us with this window um, to understand the realities of the context, and as we look into that, 
we can benefit in ways uh, for the church to grow, to be challenged. So uh, I think that's one of the beauties of sending missionaries and having missionaries in the church that we not only send and support missionaries, but also they can give something back to the church to help the church to grow. And uh, I believe that um, today we're going to have a little bit of a window into that reality. So guys, um, I just want to ask you just to take a few minutes and just introduce yourselves. Tell us about your families and yeah, also how were you called to vocational ministry? Hey, Manfred, thank you so much for the opportunity to be on with you. We're calling uh, in from Frankfurt, Germany, where all three of us uh, live. Um, just a little bit about myself. Uh, I actually started attending Calvary back in June of, 2000, of 1980. And then 20 years later, uh, was sent off as a missionary uh, from uh, Calvary to Germany. So actually the end of Next month, it'll be exactly 20 years. So uh, my wife, Carol, and I left um, uh, for Frankfurt, or no, for Germany, went down to southern Germany at the time, and our kids are two, four, and eight years old. Uh, and for the previous 20 years, while I was attending Calvary, I was an engineer in the Chicago area. So it was quite a change of occupation, and, mm -hmm. uh, and it's been wonderful uh, being here in Germany. Uh, and... Yeah, so the uh, when we went from being in there to uh, working in technology uh, at the beginning with my time here in Germany, uh, and now up here in Frankfurt, uh, you'll be hearing more about uh, our story and the rest of this podcast. Thank you, Rich. What's up, Calvary? It's <laughs> Joe. It's good to be here. It's so cool that you guys have a podcast now. I love it, and I've actually <laughs> been listening to it as well. So way to go. Um, yeah. Uh, good to be with you guys and super excited to be having this conversation and so thankful for each one of you. Allie and I have uh, missed you guys so much over the past year and uh, feel super supported and encouraged and loved by you guys. So yeah, just thanks uh, so much from the both of us. Uh, for those of you that don't know me, uh, my name is Joe. I'm married to Allie. We have a son, Lewis, and we've got a little daughter uh, due in 18 days. So we're getting wow. uh, excited for that. I built the crib today and yeah, things are, things are coming along. Getting real. They're getting so real. It's so weird. I don't know what I'm going to do with two kids, but um, <laughs> it's going to be fun. Yeah. Um, ministry. I grew up wanting to do missions and had been interested in it for a long time. Um, and I went to Moody Bible Institute and studied intercultural ministry there. And then after that, I ended up working in the corporate world. And um, it, it was a great experience, but it was kind of through that that uh, I really realized that, yeah, that wasn't exactly the direction I, I wanted to take or that God had kind of put in my life. And um, interestingly enough, we got connected with Rich and Carol, and they told us about the need and the challenges here in Frankfurt. And we were really compelled by that. And then I had actually went to Moody uh, with a, uh, a German guy by the name of Markus Engel. And um, yeah, he was my roommate. We stayed in contact and I kind of heard about what he was doing and involved in, uh, which was uh, the Mosaic church plant in uh, the community that we're now working in. And so, yeah, a bunch of things kind of came together. A lot of passions that Ali and I had uh, just for internationals in general and yeah, just connections that we had, had already had. Um, and so the opportunity came available and yeah, we're loving it here. We've been here 
for just about a year now. We came in January. So right before uh, Corona hit. And yeah, it's what just a been year. A, oh my goodness. What a year to move and just be alive. <laughs> it's been crazy, but um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's been great. So yeah, that's a little bit about me. I forgot to mention, uh, for those of you that don't know our family as well, our kids that were two, four, and eight are now all uh, settled out elsewhere in the world. Our oldest, Jory, is uh, teaching uh, first grade at a school in Japan. Wow. Uh, she always had a heart for, for Asia. And then our middle child uh, graduated from University of Illinois uh, and is getting a job uh, with the U.S. government. Uh, and then our youngest uh, Ellie is in her senior year at Purdue University, and so she'll be just finishing up. So we, when we decided to move up here to Frankfurt uh, a little over two years ago, uh, it was right at the point that we were just out of being empty nesting and had uh, the possibility of having a lot more flexibility and moving up here from southern Germany. Yeah, hi, guys. Uh, my name's Jason, Jason Lim. Um, so it's such an honor to be here with you guys and have this conversation. I'd rather just really sit here and listen to you guys. It's fun to hear your stories. And, um, it was such an honor to be in Chicago, um, and meet Manfred there or Manny or Manfred. I don't know what the, like, like what's, what, how do you, Manfred, when you talk to yourself in the mirror, what do you say to yourself? Uh, I call myself Papi. Um, Papi! But, uh, <laughs> but you can call me Manny. <laughs> <laughs> it was so great uh, meeting Manny, um, going to his restaurant, hearing um, Manny speak Arabic. It was I just felt at home because it's very similar to our yeah, context. Totally. Yeah, so I'm I'm Jason. I'm half Korean, half German, but I grew up in Thailand as a missionary kid. I met my wife there in sixth grade, uh, who was born and raised in Bangladesh, actually, but there was no German school there, so she was in Thailand for the school. And then uh, we sort of lost contact somewhere in between a little bit when she moved back to Germany and we re, uh, re rekindled our old sort of teenage romance back a few mm. years later and got married. And we moved to Frankfurt five years ago to plant a church in a very multicultural neighborhood of Frankfurt and have two kids and they're um, four and one. Okay. So Jason, you have five years, you said, Rich, you have 20 years. Is that what you said? 20 years. Yeah. yeah. And then, um, Joe, you have one solid one. I've got a solid, like, it's actually like 10 months. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> round, up, round, up. <laughs> round up. Round up. Yeah. Um, so I'm longer. curious. A lot longer. Yeah. <laughs> My first question for you is like, if you could go back in time, what changes would you have made to your personal preparation? Um, to come to Germany. So like, what's something you wish you would have known? What's something you wish you would have done before kind of having like boots on the ground in country? Um, sure. The, uh, that was uh, quite a long time ago, but it's actually pretty fresh in my mind because uh, I've actually used that experience in my life of, of transitioning actually from 20 years as an engineer into full-time ministry. So it's quite, quite an adjustment. And one of the things uh, that I'd wish I'd learned and, but, uh, fortunately, I learned eventually while I was here, is to realize when you're in ministry, uh, it's more about the journey than the end results. Mm. Uh, very often in business, you're, you're looking at the bottom line, what kind of profits you make, uh, did the project come in on time? Um, but in ministry, it's, it's more about the relationships that you make along the way. It's more about the journey. And if you get 
to the end result, uh, that's great, but it doesn't always happen. Uh, but it still can be a success because of the people that you shared with along the way and then the relationships that were made. And also understanding that it's a great deal relies on the sensitivity of the Holy Spirit, how he's leading you in each situation. Uh, and this ties into another area is just really be flexible to understand that, that situations can change, uh, may not be in your control, but you just really learn dependence upon God mm. in and through all those situations. So, um, so that'd be one thing. The other is I think uh, probably spend more time listening and less time doing. Uh, I think I was so anxious in getting here that I just wanted to land and, and get all sorts of things going. Uh, and I missed some opportunities to, to really listen to a lot more people that had more experience than I did. Uh, and also to understand that when you're in a different culture, uh, and different situations, you need to understand, uh, from the locals more, um, what's happening before you start taking steps in. So doing things more collaboratively, uh, I think would have been a really good lesson to have learned before. Mm. I would piggyback on a little bit of what Rich said, kind of the, the concept of less doing and more just kind of being. I think there's a tendency for uh, particularly young missionaries who are excited and gung-ho to get to the field um, to kind of lose touch with what's going on locally. And yeah, I mean, that was, a, that was a constant challenge. That was a constant struggle as we were coming here just to stay present as we were kind of forward thinking. Um, but then I would actually say like, in hindsight, it was great, like working alongside Calvary actually, mm -hmm. and um, having a local ministry that we were able to like lead and still be present with um but it was a, it was a constant challenge it was a constant struggle um but i would i would say um just taking more time i think yeah i can't believe i'm saying that now but we moved so fast and it was it was just kind of a crazy season of support raising and we moved around a lot and yeah like just the past you know 10 10 11 months we've been here it's just been like kind of coming down from that whirlwind um, and so there's probably some sort of a sweet spot between going too slow and too fast. Uh, I don't know what that is. And thankfully I don't have to know what that is for a while or something like that. But, um, yeah, I would just say being present and, and then I would actually say like, um, that's what I would do different. And I, what I'm really glad that I did do, and I would encourage those who are listening and interested in missions is just like staying plugged into your local community, finding opportunities to work alongside your church and being present. Cause you're really, you're being trained and you're being sent out. And you know, if you can't, I, I love the little saying, if you can't do it there, you can't do it here. Or like, I guess it would be the other way, other way around. But yeah, the, the, the whole concept of just being present with your, your local church and um, yeah, serving them as you prepare to go. I think that's just super important. I, I'm not sure the. I mean, the question does not apply to me in the same way since I wasn't a missionary send out, but rather mm. I was, I was a high school student that came back, <laughs> came back home, whatever that is um, in a way. Mm. But when, when going to seminary and being involved in church planning from the beginning and being in, involved in that, and then in a way being sent out to then afterwards plant a church, I think, yeah, I, I mean that, that young sort of, 
uh, impatience that, that you talked about, Rich, and that sort of, you know, you want to get going. And there's so much weight put upon um, the activity for Christ uh, rather than the intimacy with Christ. And I think being aware of that danger that you can be so involved in what you're doing for Jesus instead of just being with Jesus. Mm. And also prayer. I think I underestimate it. Prayer a lot because prayer can sometimes feel so unproductive. You just mm -hmm. sit there and you talk to God and then yeah. you don't see anything happen. Yeah, that's so true. But to, to really, um, I should have worked more, I think, on my prayer life before. Mm. So that was better, better established during ministry. Uh, I think that's, I mean, it's always a, it's something that we put a, a great deal of emphasis on in our ministry now, but it's something that we ha really have to fight for in our personal lives as well, because it it's often something that, you know, it, it adjusts to everything else. And uh, mm. I, I always think of Martin Luther's um, quote about, oh, I have so much work to do today. That means I have to pray that much more. Mm. And oftentimes in my life, it's like, oh, I have a lot of work today. So I should just do a quick prayer which is wrong. It's just yeah. wrong. And yeah. so that's a, that's been a big challenge still is, but I, I wish I prepared more in that area. I think. Oh, this is, this is really good guys. <clears throat> and I appreciate you sharing uh, all that Jason and, and also um, with Joe and Rich mentioned too, um, but how important is, is prayer in, in our lives as, as believers too. And, and I can uh, say enough about ministry too. Um, but as I think there's this natural tendency just to, um, you know, get into a new place or start ministry and, and focus in, in how much it needs to be done uh, that we forget the most essential part of our lives and, and, and ministry too, that um, that it has to be God. And um, it's a great reminder. Um, and this morning, um, we're going to be talking about um, the uh, gospel leading into a multicultural church. And, um, and this idea that God is not a God of one, uh, culture um, and that um, you know when I think about a multicultural church is is just a way to experience who God is a God of a a many nations and many people's groups and many languages um, but with that in mind um, why a multicultural church oh wow <laughs> big opening question um, <laughs> why a multicultural church I mean that's a very multifaceted question I think mm -hmm. we can speak hours on on that i think when we have the topic of the gospel that leads towards a multicultural church i think it's really the answer to why a multicultural church would be the gospel mm. i always like to say that you know if if the foundation of our christian faith is the truth that you know being so different from god yet he still um, not just accepted us but loved us to death if if that is what shapes our whole Christian faith, then I think it'd be strange if, if we don't, you know, somehow empowered by that same love, filled by that same love, we don't approach the difference in other people in, in the same way to embody um, that. I, I, read, I read the other day, someone said that there's no act of love from God that doesn't end in the love to the neighbor. Mm. And so I think if if God has reacted to our difference in that way through grace and in, in a sacrificial love and a difference that's much greater than any difference we could find between two humans, even if it's a cultural difference, which one could argue is probably the biggest difference between people, then um, 
then that same love should should have no problem reaching that or crossing that same same gap of differences of cultural differences. And I also think there's no better way to to be a witness of God's reconciling power hmm. than through um, a multicultural church. I think when we read like John 17 and Christ talks about, you know, uh, your unity will be, a, you know, will be a witness to um, me being sent from God and being, being, you know, the Messiah. We always picture that unity being very uniform. Hmm. And I, I don't think that's what, you know, John 17 meant that, hmm. Oh, there's a friend of mine. He's, he's from Cameroon. He's a church planter, and I work closely with him here uh, in the region. And he once told me something that really hit home. He said, you know, Jason, if I have deep community with people that are like me, my age, the same phase of life, that like the things that I like, that I just, you know, they're they're nice people. I like them. We have similar interests. We, we sort of share a lot in common. Having deep community, community with those people, I don't need Jesus for that. <laughs> But having deep community with people that are, you know, way different from me, that maybe don't have the same interests, that are in a different phase in their lives, different cultural background, you know, only only through Christ can I um, have deep, really deep community and friendship with that. And what a witness of that reconciling power, I think. And the third thing I would add maybe is I think a multicultural community really pushes you towards living the identity in, that you have in Christ. If you are in constant contact with people that you have nothing else in common with apart from that identity in Christ, Yeah. then you're constantly reminded of that identity in Christ and you're sort of pushed towards um, being aware of that more constantly than maybe in other areas of life where you just have a very homogenous sort of group. Mm. Can you give me mm. a, a picture as I'm listening to your talk, listening to you talk, I'm wondering um, like what cultures can you even just readily name that are already in your church body? Um, and then like what kind of movements have brought those cultures to you? Yeah. So very, very differently. There's a wide spectrum there, I would say. Okay. So we have, we have a lot of Moroccans and North Africans in our neighborhood. And I think they, they just, they came uh, way back, I think around like even like in, in the nineties or even before that, Okay. just for a better life, I guess. Um, and then we have some, you know, from a refugee background, Syrians or like people from Iran or Afghanistan. Um, but we also have a Japanese uh, lady who there's a, there's a lot of firms in, in Frankfurt that have Japanese men, you know, they send Japanese people to Frankfurt to work at these firms. And then uh, the men don't have to learn German because they speak Japanese and English at work. But the women that, have to sort of take care of the kids and you know manage all the paperwork they like they're the ones the only ones in the family learning german yeah. and so those are the ones we sort of connect with and there's a bunch of chinese people um also coming to germany um oftentimes because it's actually cheaper for them to live in germany interesting uh, depending obviously on what kind of life you want but it ends up being cheaper for them here and then we have um people from bolivia uh, two doctors that want to, you know, came here looking for jobs. Mm. We have people from um, Russia and Eastern Europe, like Poland or Ukraine, Croatia. I mean, it's it's a Mexico. Wow. Yeah, you just <laughs> wow. yeah, it's a big mix. I couldn't say wow. that it's, you know, it's and one like type a of person. Huge mix between like warm culture, cold culture, like oh, 
Oh yeah, yeah. it's crazy. It, it's in all all directions. Yeah. Wow. But some may not realize is Frankfurt is actually only forty five percent ethnic German. Hmm. So it's fifty five percent are from other cultures, and the area that Jason's talking about is even more like seventy percent. Yeah, seventy right percent have a sort of you know, non German background. Actually, between the ages of zero and eighteen, it's it's more like ninety percent. Okay, and so for visualization's key. sake, am I picturing like an urban um, environment that you're in, or is it more like just outside the city? Tell me about like. Joe, Joe, help me out on this because you have yeah. you have more of the American mindset. What would they? How would you best describe our hmm. our hood? Yeah, it's um, so it's in the northwest corner of Frankfurt, hence the name Nordweststadt, so Northwest City. Look at you speaking German. Look at me. Yeah. So, like, wh what does it look like? Um, so it was like built in the sixties and it's very, uh, geometrical in its, um, architecture, architecture. The buildings are anywhere from four stories to the tallest is seven, eight, 18, 17, Thomas ah, 17 or 18. One could argue. One could argue. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. 18 American. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 18 American, 17 German. Um, oh, we'll get into that later. So, yeah, yeah. Wow, so, yeah. So much to no, talk about. Um, but, but, but yeah, I mean, it's crazy because it, it's, what is it? Is it? I think the American equivalent is 0 0.7 square miles, 17,000 people. The population density is, is higher than Bangladesh. Like it's crazy. Oh. Um, so it's a bunch of these like tall buildings, very like rectangular in shape. Um, and they're all kind of interconnected. It's kind of cool. They're interconnected by like these little pathways um, the architecture actually designed the city so that kids would never have to be on a major road. And so everything's like interconnected, kind of these, these, uh, Apartments very, I, I hate to call them boring, but they're just very like basic looking boxes yeah. that okay. we all live in. It's repetitive. Lots of right angles. It's very repetitive. You yeah. get lost easily. You can, yeah. It took a while to like know where I was. What's in that area the city built to house workers coming in after World War II to help rebuild the city? Yeah. Frankfurt yeah. was, was in a crisis of just not having, I mean, we're still in the crisis of not having enough apartments. But this obviously after the Second World War was a different cause for it. And so they had to quickly just raise up a bunch of apartment buildings so actually we in germany you would call it a sleeping city because it's almost entirely only apartments um so oh. it's it's people only live there there's very little public life except for a big major mall that's sort of on the on the on the outskirts of that neighborhood where you know a lot of public life takes place no when i uh when i was uh listening to jason and and um the description that he was saying about the realities of you guys' city, I couldn't stop thinking about, you know, uh, seeing a glimpse of, you know, Revelation 7 and how is it going to be one day and the beauty uh, of that. And But but also when I think about that, um, it's not always easy to um, minister and operate in that kind of like multicultural, um, you know, environment. So... Um, what are some challenges of, of thinking, walking towards to be a multicultural church? I, I can quickly just talk about some of the challenges of living in Nordvestad. For Ali and I, 
as we have. Yeah, come on, tell me. Let's get just personal moved here. here. Let's get personal. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll quickly say one thing, and then you guys can add whatever you want. But I'll, I'll say, like, yes, there are a lot of Middle Easterners, but there are like a lot of mis- Middle Easterners from like every Middle Eastern country, right? And then, <laughs> and then there's like Japanese, and then like Bolivians, and it's like constantly trying to adapt is is hard because you know one middle eastern country might have a totally different custom or behavior than another and and so yeah you're constantly having to adapt and quickly kind of figure that out so it's a stretching process i think for those of us moving there and working there um but then i would say like the gospel is the only thing that can unite that that can unite those cultural differences and those Mm. challenges and that's when you start to see the beauty come through is in that diversity is in that, that um, just crazy mix of people. But yeah, like it's both a blessing and a challenge. Hmm. Yeah, I would definitely agree with Joe on that. I think the, sometimes the challenges also turn into the blessings. And so hmm. having a, a diverse team uh, can be very difficult because hmm. sometimes there's challenges in communication uh, because you're coming from different cultures, different perspectives. Um, but the reality is those different perspectives uh, bring in uh, a much better end result because it enables you to be thinking more creatively, thinking more um, more effectively uh, even. So I recall one time I was talking to uh, one of my friends here that is uh, is a believer from a Muslim background uh, and is just a, a wonderful evangelist among his people groups and and we working together on some different areas and we talked about well what's effective in in reaching out and what was it was so fascinating to to listen to him and talk about well actually as an American you can come up and say some things very much more directly than I can from uh, as a Middle Eastern because they're going to expect that from you. So actually, go for it. Go ahead and, and approach, get in more direct conversations with people. But for, for me, as uh, someone who is from the uh, Middle East, I have to um, uh, really do a lot more time in relational building. But at the end of the day, he's going to be very, very effective on building those relationships more deeply uh, and sharing the love of Christ in those contexts. So it's it's a both and situation. So it's a it's an advantage for people of different cultures to be reaching out to those of their same culture because they understand it better. But because it's multicultural, you have the advantage of thinking more out of the box in your ideas uh, and in your thinking. Calvary, this is Caroline from the future. It was here in the conversation we had to pause because of some technical issues, but we got to pick up the conversation later that week, and installment number two was a treat. Here's a sneak peek. I don't. I always tell people we don't plant multicultural churches because it's easy. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, Jason, if I want deep community with people that are like me, my age, my, my interests, um, my my sort of my kind of people, uh, my culture, and all that. If I want deep community with them, I don't 
I don't need Jesus for that. But if I want to have deep community with people that are different, that, you know, cook different and what they cook smells different and they like different things and they celebrate differently and they think differently, their whole worldview is different, then that's not a natural community. It's a supernatural community. Mm, it it needs on. Jesus. And I think it's really important for North American listeners. Our, our mentality and our mindset is Sunday morning, right? We're thinking about how do we make a worship service more multicultural? But I would, I would go deeper and I would say, how do we make Monday through Saturday more multicultural? How are we hanging out with people? How are we sharing life with people Monday through Saturday? Preach it. Just today, something mind-blowing happened in my life, guys, that um, I was on Best Christian Memes and they they showed the Chicago Bulls logo, and they said if you turn it around, it looks like an alien reading the Bible. Is that enough to convince you? Come back next week to hear Rich, Joe, and Jason share more about their experience in a multicultural church.